Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast. My name is AJ Bingham, CEO of Bingham Group. Joining me is co-host, Associate Hannah Garcia, and we, we're going to be talking about a few items this week uh, that have um, you know, kind of kept with a trend of uh, a bias towards action in, at City Hall. Uh, first, we want to wrap up just a discussion we had over the week, last weekend regarding uh, city or the announcement of changes uh, from interim city manager Jesus Garza last Friday. And Hannah, do you want to talk about that some? Yeah, so I went ahead and took the... Um the last organizational chart we had from the city and just went ahead and redlined it to see what those changes were. By the and way, that, that org chart was from August of 2022, even before the firing of, of former city manager Spencer Crunk or everything else, there had been a lot of uh, just updates needed to that org chart beyond what was announced last, last on March 1st and on the 24th. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're seeing is that there's a very, very clear shift away from what um, former city manager Kronk had started. And we're seeing a lot of consolidation of departments. Uh, I think one of the biggest consolidations was um, public works and transportation and then putting um, the public works department, the corridor program office and Project Connect all under uh, public works and transportation. I think that'll make things potentially smoother. Um, and they'll all have a clear line of, you know, what they're doing since they all are going to be reporting to one director. And so um, I'm excited to see how that pans out. And then additionally, some more big changes with um, housing and planning, development services and Austin code. So now all of those departments are going to be under assistant city manager Veronica Brzezino and housing and planning has been broken up into the housing department and the planning department mm -hmm. with Rosie Trulove continuing to run the housing department and uh, Lauren Middleton Pratt, a um, former um, executive oh, official, soon be former assistant team manager of Buda. Yeah, yeah, she's she's in Buda, but I'm from Buda, so shout out to that. And um, she will be Lauren Middleton Pratt will be uh, the planning director. So um, a lot of big changes. Additionally, Austin Water was moved. Um, it used to report directly to the city manager. Now they're going to report to, directly to. Um, let me find them. Sorry. Lost them. And there are a lot of changes, too, on the chart. Yeah. They'll be reporting to Robert Good now. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, no, it's pretty intense changes. There's a lot of movement, but um, hopefully this will consolidate a lot of the apartments and make very clear lanes for things. I think there was like, um, you know, one example was the um, the chief technology officer was in a different department than the chief information security officer. Um, they, you know, they were reporting to different uh, city managers. So I think a lot of these changes will um, streamline and uh, make things a lot clearer for the city moving forward. And I think one of the big, big overall changes, too, is going to be just the, you know, so currently they're the assistant city manager, uh, assistant city managers were divided amongst several uh, strategic priorities safety, health, environment, culture, lifelong learning, government works for all mobility and economic opportunity affordability. And these were, was it, was it, was it, it was a city plan. Was it strategic plan 2023? Yeah, it was, was the, it was the um, city of Austin strategic direction. I want to say it was up until either 2023 or 2025. Yeah, but it was created, I believe in 2018 or so. And the idea was, it was organizing departments around these priorities, again, safety, health and health and environment culture and lifelong learning, government that works for all, mobility and economic opportunity and affordability. So it was, the idea being you know, organizing agency or departments rather and different services along the around these, 
we are seeing, or shortly there'll be a departure from that, I think, going forward. Uh, as the city manager, city manager Garza, I think, stated as much in one of his in the one of his two memos on last Friday. But there'll be a shift away from that. And I think the the start of that is just even the reorganization of certain department, or sorry, of certain assistant team managers' purview over departments, most notably, uh, as Hannah mentioned, Veronica Brasinio and Rodney Gonzalez. And so in terms of the departments, uh, they now are are managing. And that was something the city manager Garza had mentioned as wanting to just shake up things, not shake up the shake up, but just to provide, uh, yeah, I think some of a, cha- a new challenge to some of, a, of his ACMs. Um, yeah, actually, maybe it was just shaking it up. It's probably, I'm paraphrasing. He, he said it more eloquently in his memo, but it was along those lines. Yeah, having fresh eyes on a lot of the city's, you know, issues that have been here for a long time, I think will be great, especially since, you know, just because, you know, uh, Assistant City Manager Rodney Gonzalez was dealing with, you know, development services, economic development, it doesn't mean he wasn't also, you know, dealing with homelessness. He's, all these right. issues are connected. And so I think, um, you know, they've all seen it from different um you know, views, and they all have a different perspective that they'll bring, and, and you know, excited to see what they'll do. I think it's notable too, because I mean, with uh, with in the the case of Assistant City Manager Gonzalez, Rodney Gonzalez, prior to this role, he had been uh, he was the, the director of a development services department, and I think if my memory serves me, he was brought in that role. He's you know he'd been in the city for a while. I think prior to that role, he was with economic development, which was where Veronica Rosinio most recently came from before be, be, becoming chief recovery officer and then ascending the ACM. Um, but we have, I mean, overall, with our, beyond the, the interim folks, they, uh, we have, we have. I think the current city council are all made of people who even closer, including the interim members who have a deep city experience. Um, not just, I mean, and I think at that level of ACMs, it's, it's less about the agents. I mean, they have directors who are running these agents, these departments. As about the man, understanding how the city overall works and the management, you know, being more of, a, of an overall manager versus an expert in land use or in homeless response policy or HR, right? There, yeah. among with all these departments, are directors who you know are executives themselves, so it flows. And so, I think mm-hmm. just from some conversations I've had with, you know, some of the executive ranks at at City Hall, um, there's excitement around this, right? I mean, it's it's cha- it's change. Uh, it's going to be challenging, but I think they feel a lot more empowered, you know, and again, this bias towards action of getting things done. I think that's, yeah, that's going to, I think no, that, that's going to echo. That is the message that interim city manager Garza is pushing to the, his executive as well as, you know, the rank and file um, amongst the org chart. So I think there's one thing to say it. Now we're getting the execution phase on that going this, in this going into Q2. Uh, starting April first and tomorrow, and it's that, and that's where we are. But I think tying into that, on the council side, we also know Mayor Kirk Watson. I think he said as much about having a bias towards action, and we saw that most recently this week with the announcement. It was on Tuesday, I believe, uh, the, of uh, an arrangement with DPS, the, the Texas Department of Public Safety, our state troopers, to augment. Uh, Austin Police, Austin Police Department services, and and more on that. Yeah, so we have almost no details on this right now. Um, there's no word on how many DPS officers will come out. Um, all we know is that this move is agreed upon by the mayor, our governor Greg Abbott, and Lieutenant Governor. 
Dan Patrick, um, and this happened pretty quickly and behind closed doors, um, and how long the arrangement will last is unknown. Um, but uh, the city has more than 200 vacancies that need to be filled. And I think we've seen, you know, over the weekend, there was a lot of, um, there was some gun violence and other issues around the city. Um, and so I think the need for public safety is definitely being felt in all corners of the city. So hopefully this will help. But um, I'm also curious to see, you know, as more details come out, um, you know, how did this happen? And because um, my first thought was, did this need to be voted on? You know, I, I had a lot more questions about it and there's still not many answers. But I do expect um, just with how transparent they've been, especially with Austin Energy thing. And now um, even with going forward through with the police contracts on both sides, the four year and the one year, uh, I do believe that at our, the next council meeting, potentially maybe even um, a special called one or even a press conference, we'll receive more details about what this is going to look like and how it happened. I mean, there's still time. And so one of the things, yeah, there's the the mayor, Mayor Watson has the Watson wire. It's a it's a you know a free newsletter he he puts out pretty frequently too, and I think in a lot of details. And so again, there's still time in the day for that to come out and provide you know the details on, on that. But yeah, just you know, we not a lot of details on how this was done, just from Twitter. You know, you know, for all that's worth, we were uh, Austin Sanders with the Austin Chronicle was reporting on this on the 28th, and you know, from what is from his tweets or just that you know, there didn't appear to be you know council or overall council vote on this. Now engagement, we don't know, but there wasn't a vote on this or I mean, in kind um, and what Austin Sanders is reporting as well. Several council members learned about it about 15 minutes before it was announced. Um, that on the, on the flip of that too, we're not seeing uh, council, you make council members comment. Uh, I haven't seen any yet about negatively about it. Yeah, I, I did see a, a few comments from council members. So um Kadri. Yeah, Kadri. Councilmember Zoe Kadri, and uh, I think he just also had more questions about it. Um, I think there's definitely in this city, there's um, a lot of very, very, um, I guess, contentious feelings about police. I'll just put it lightly. Yeah. Yeah, on both on both sides, and so I think even in D nine, you see that pretty, pretty, pretty evidently. Like I live here, and, which is you know, down for for context. That district, district Austin Council District nine is. All of downtown are our central business district, as well as the, major, uh, the majority of uh, West Campus and UT, which is where students reside. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I'll be driving down here and, and you know, you'll see the support. You know, we back the police and you'll also see a, you know, defund the police sign. So I think there's definitely, you know, a lot of opinions on the police. So um, I'm curious to see how exactly, um, you know, the council members are feeling, as well as how exactly this community is feeling. You know, what do they think about this? Yeah, and we look. Let's, yeah, let's, let's look at this, you know, kind of broadly, right? Or on the macro level, it's, you know, we know there was, you know, the city, there, APD has a staffing shortage, right? Now, DPS apparently has a staffing shortage too, but that's the state's problem, not Austin's problem, right? And so, you know, I think that staffing shortage could be, you know, that applied. That's a different. I think it's a question to ask, but I don't know if it's really, it really impacts Austin in any kind of meaningful way, but. Filling, you know, plugging these holes, right? So we know we have academy classes going. There's only so many cadets can pull out. We know that there are people your retirements, natural attrition, everything else happening. So what's to be done right now? You know, I, I, I hopefully we'll have more information about how this was done, and you know, I think the why is is evident, but how and councils involved and so on. 
But the reality was, you look at, again, this was a while back, but that event that happened on South Lamar and Barton Springs, right? Just, and I know that it was a drag racing, street racing, you know, events on a public road at 10 o'clock at night on Saturday on a major, you know, thoroughfare intersection rather that, you know, and this, that shouldn't happen for my, you know, personally, right? Like you have your views on police ethics, Y and Z, but any kind of way that would happen in a, you know, kind of close to our downtown zone, you know, it'd be different. I mean, it would still be wrong, but we're talking out kind of in, you know, industrial area late at night. To me, there's a line there where what kind of, you know, really, really, you know, what kind of precedent we want to set for that kind of enforcement. And that wasn't good for my view personally, right? As an Austinite, longtime Austinite, that's just something that it's not nothing funny about that. Like it's not cool. It's not because there's a line where it's more, what does this represent in terms of response and everything else? So I'll pass so blocks about that. But I think the bigger picture too, again, this bias towards action, you know, we talked about this internally, you know, if how would this have played out in the prior council, prior leadership, right? Yeah, no, this would have. This it wouldn't. Would have I don't. I don't think we would have. Any, this would happen at all, you know. And so, but but again, we have a police shortage, objectively, a police shortage. And so, what's to be done? Um, my view, you know, I've, I've talked to the mayor about this. I don't know, but you know, he, you know, we we he has election. He's he's up for re-election in October or November of twenty twenty. Or sorry, November twenty twenty four. And we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But my take is he's going to position himself as, you know, just that kind of an action-oriented mayor. And I say that because, you know, ultimately you look even, you know, you, you look at the Paris and Mayor Adler, I think he was, his eight years in office was definitely a deliberative. But even again, he was deliberative. I think he had took community engagement, but he still had people who didn't like him. Yeah. So you're not, I think in, in a mayoral role, there's never going to be people who like everything you do. And so if that's the case, you know, you're better, you might be better off actually, well, at least you, you, you push to get things done. Yeah, no. Right. And I, I agree. Like he's doing what needs to be done. He's plugging in holes. Like at the end of the day, the city has to function and he's, he's well, making sure it functions. Maybe it's, it's so much even what needs to be done, but from his view of what needs to be done. Right. Cause there are folks who, who don't, I'm sure disagreed with that. And we're all just agree with other things he does, but he took a position and he, and he acted on it. Now he owns that. Right. But he but he took a position and did it. And so, you know, I'm sure I think you have that in line with a city staff leadership and, you know, executive ranks, department heads, everything else that is is geared towards that. And the city manager that from what I've heard, I mean, it's not going to be a thing where staff staff is lagging on council direction. The city manager, you know, I think he's said as much in his, his memos, understands and wants to, you know, really help guide the policies the council is looking to do and you're not going to see a lot of uh, i think either perceived or otherwise um kind of feet dragging the feet from, from city staff and implementing those things so more to come on that and then let's talk about the so the other memo that came out from last friday was from city manager garza regard related to the budget mm -hmm. and the, or the budget the budget playing process for this year and, you know, interesting, I mean, I think there's interesting stuff on there as well, but what I think will set the tone beyond, you know, it, it's in line with this, again, I think having a more bias towards action, but um, some interesting provisions in there. So we want to talk about that, Hannah. Yeah. So um, what they did was this is just kind of a memo to city staff about um, 
things they'll be doing with the budget, as well as the timeline and when the forecast will come out for fiscal year 2024 through 2028, so every single department can better plan. I think one of the things we're seeing is uh, that any department with um, uh, over 15, a vacancy rate higher than 15% or equal to 15% will not be allowed to request any more FTEs. I thought that was interesting just because they're planning for, um, you know, the next four fiscal years. So um, that was interesting to me just because, you know, as the city grows, we are likely going to need more um, full-time employees to support city departments. And so um, I think it's a good task to like, let's, let's fill those roles before we start planning for more. Uh, but definitely interested to see how that will plan play out in the future. Additionally, we will get that um, financial forecast for um, the next four years in uh, April, April, April 28th. And then we'll kind of, um, the budget will start to be um, kind of, that's when it'll start to kind of happen out. And, and then in the next two, three months on July 14th, um, 2023, that proposed budget will be distributed. And so begins the process for that work session, as well as um, public hearings and public hearings on the tax rate. Well, yeah, but the public the public presentation of the budget will be on July, Wednesday, July 19th. Mm -hmm. One of the things too, so, you know, and this will, we won't know for sure until after the budgets, this process goes through this next quarter, we'll, or in Q2, a little bit of Q3 is um, if, what we've seen with council so far is you've seen less amendments from the dais uh, on, and on the fly, if you will. And so my take on here is, you know, in past years as well with the budget, you have once the budget's released, then you have the active lobbying involved where you have items brought up. I think there's there's order to it last last several cycles, but they went, you know, council members went through and then debated different items or different uh, actions and items to be added to the budget or subtracted from the budget. If you know, well, again, we'll see, we'll see in the not too distant future, but it may be more the case of having those discussions and items handled out and hashed out ahead of time so that when they come in for actual budget discussions, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more, more or less baked, ready to go. Yeah. Now that's based on that to me, that's just, that's based on the way that council meetings, I think council, council actions have been happening. You've seen, you know, there's, there's been just, I think a, a greater, desire from the council and led by mayor watson to make the meetings i don't say it's not about efficiency but just deliberate and getting things done and not talking to talk yeah and that's i mean i think that's that's just that's evident by the time time these meetings start and when they end yeah and, yeah. and the votes are taken too now you know well i think there will be times i'm sure they might run later but there's a difference between there, there's there's ways of managing meetings. I think we're getting a lot of a lot of lessons that Mayor Watson took from or brought with him from the Senate are being implemented here. Yeah. And um I think he's using those Senate connections as well still, um, to kind of I think in the past and even now, our relationship with the state government is not very good. Um I guess putting it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think he's he's definitely making inroads to get support from the state. I don't think we ever would have received before. Um, and I, I think that's definitely um, because he was a state Senator for so long and he has those connections, you know, um, love him or hate him. He's um, was a great Senator and a great politician. Uh, and so, you know, he's playing the game and I think he's playing it really well for Austin in all honesty. All right. 
Well, we'll end on that, but y'all have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the BG Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M-G-P.com. And for the latest firm news and content updates, follow us on LinkedIn. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you.